0: Well, welcome everyone to Lectio Divina this evening. I'm very glad to be here at St. Clements to uh, celebrate this form of prayer, which is a very ancient form of prayer in the church. Uh, This is um, a way of praying the Word of God. It is divine reading, Lectio Divina. And it is not the study of the Word of God, that's exegesis, that's when we go into the background, read commentaries, try to understand the setting within which the Word of God came to us, the human setting. And it's not exactly the liturgical reading. That's where we, at Mass, the prime home for the Word of God, where we proclaim the Word of God in the assembly of God's people, especially at the celebration of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. That's where much of the New Testament certainly began. So that's profound. That's very important. No, this is the praying of the Word of God. And it takes many different forms uh, from ancient times. The idea of simply reading it out, especially aloud, that's a good idea. Speed reading is good maybe for, I don't know, a few things, lists, shopping lists, newspapers, things like that. But something that is profound and important, it's always good to read aloud because we can catch it with our ears, with our eyes, with our mouth, Abraham Lincoln once used to bother his law partner because he read everything aloud. And when the partner said to him, Abraham, why are you always reading aloud? He said, well, I get it in with my eyes, my ears, my mouth. My it sticks better if you read it that way. And that's, uh, that's what we will do in this uh, form of prayer. In fact, uh, it's sometimes difficult, though. If you're in the church, I wouldn't recommend reading aloud, everyone reading aloud. It bothers others when they're trying to pray. So there's a little, you know, common courtesy (laughs) dictates we'd be a little more careful. But at Mass, the Word is read aloud. And if we have a chance, we should do that. And that's what we'll do tonight. I will read aloud the Word of God. And after we read it, we then think about it and say to ourselves... What does this passage say to my head, to my heart, to my hands? I remember a couple of years ago when I was in grade one. (laughs) uh, Well, maybe more than a couple of years ago. uh, The old thing is, why did God make you? He made to know, to love and to serve, head, heart and hands. We are to know, to love and to serve God. And so when we hear the passage read out, we should say, what does this tell me about God, about our Lord Jesus coming amongst us? How does it draw us to love him more? And what does it practically ask us to do? Every time we read any piece of scripture, we should say, what does it say to my head, my heart, and my hands? So first we read it, then we think of that, and I'll throw in some thoughts to try to help a little bit with that, prime the pump of it. And then after that, we meditate upon the word of God, And then finally, in our heart of hearts, we say, here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. From reading, to thinking, to seeing what it says about our life, how can we serve? This is the meaning of Lectio Divina. Now, it's to be done. It's a great idea to do this on our own all the time. Just take a passage of scripture, get a little quiet place, especially if you're going to be reading it aloud don't want to bother anyone or just read it, read it aloud, but turn the voice off. You know, you can do it that way, too. And just do this every day. I mean, take a little piece of scripture. But what we're doing tonight is a little different form of it. This is sort of doing in a community form what each one of us, I encourage each one of us to do all the other days of the month. I just do this on the first Sunday of every month except July and August in in a, I've been doing this for about 16 years now in in the cathedral usually but now our cathedral's out of action so we're doing in you know, the different parishes which is great but we should do it every day i think just this is a great way of praying the scriptures so what we're going to do is this first i'll start with the sign of the cross and a few little prayers we slow down when you're going off the 401 you want an off-ramp to kind of you know just slow down a little bit then i will we'll ask ourselves above all to pray the prayer of the young Samuel, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Let's listen to God's word. Let's ask God's mercy. Forgive us all those things that are barriers. We want the Lord to have a pathway to our hearts. And sometimes we're so full of ourselves, we don't listen to God or to other people. So let's listen. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Usually it's listen, Lord, your servant is speaking. But it should be speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Then I'll read the whole passage right through. Now this evening it's a rather long passage, longer than most, because I'm trying to do the whole of the Gospel of Mark, and tonight's a bit long, but it's a wonderful one. It's the the Last Supper, it's the Garden of Gethsemane, profound experiences of Christ our Lord. Then I'll start with a passage of it. I'll read it aloud. A few little comments, a little quiet time for us to think of what it means to my head, my heart, and my hands. And then I'll move on for another passage, a few comments I'll throw in, and then a little quiet time to think about it, and so on. We'll go right through it to the end. Saying, Lord, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Help me to see what this passage says to my head, my heart, and my hands, so that I may encounter our Lord Jesus above all in his holy word of, in the gospel of Mark. And then at the end, we'll simply say, read it over all, the whole thing from start to finish again. So it's repetition, repetition. Repetition is the mother of learning. Repetition is the mother of learning. Repetition is the mother of learning, <laughs> you know? The things we do once aren't worth it. The things we do all the time, like our heartbeat, boom, 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 they're worth it. Well, that's what we're doing. That's what Lecture be involves, this kind of repetition. Then we'll say the Our Father, Hail Mary, Glory be, the sign of the cross, and that's it. It's pretty straightforward. I normally use a little, I have my little red Bible here. And I usually use my little red Bible, because I think the Bible should be read. However, I also realized, I realized just before today, before coming up, that uh, I used to have bifocals, but I've had a little, now I have distance glasses and reading glasses. I left them at home. So I have a hard time reading that. But This print is bigger, though, so we'll be using a piece of paper. It's a little easier. Okay, let's start. In the name of the Father and of the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. Let's just let our hearts be still. Ask the Lord's forgiveness for those things which are barriers. Let's ask the Lord to help us form a pathway to our hearts. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Away with all those distractions those things that clutter up our minds and hearts. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the householder, The teacher says, Where is my guest room? Where I am to eat the Passover with my disciples. And he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. There, prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were at table eating, Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. And they began to be sorrowful and say to him one after another, Is it I? He said to them, it is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you, this very night, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said vehemently, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. And they went to a place which is called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death, remain here and watch. Going a little farther he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible to thee. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And on the first day of the unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? He is celebrating the Passover of the Jewish people, he and his disciples. They're a community that comes together, a community of faith to worship the Lord God. And they want to know where they will do that together. And he is in control. He always is. He isn't disorganized. He knows what he will do. And he does it. And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city and a man carrying a water jar of water will meet you. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the householder, The teacher says, Where is my guest room? or I'm to eat the Passover with my disciples, and he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready, there prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. This is the plan of the Lord, he is to come to celebrate the Passover with his disciples this last time, as he offers himself up in sacrifice. It is all according to the plan, the divine providence of God. And the disciples go and see the way in which the Lord has prepared it for them. We must, each one of us, so often we think we want to be in control. Yet the Lord is guiding us day by day. He arranges things much more fully than he arranged the Passover and set up that man with a little signal. It was a bit unusual uh, for a man to be carrying a water jar in those days, that would be usually, women would be carrying a water jar. The sweet stick out a little bit there. It was a bit unusual. He set a signal for his disciples and got it set up. So often we, we don't trust the Lord to take care of our lives. But we need to more and more. You know the old saying, entrust the past to God's mercy And trust the future to God's providence that he's going to take care of us and in the present moment say here I am Lord I come to do your will we see the beginning of that we see it very very much in the gospel of John but even in the gospel of Mark which is much more rugged than that of the gospel of John much less sublime we see the hand of God our Lord Jesus guiding his disciples so let's pray the Lord to help each one of us to be More docile, more humble, less wanting to have our hand on the steering wheel, a little more ready to listen to where the Lord is guiding us, and maybe to watch for the little signals he sets in front of us. Perhaps not a man carrying a water jar, but what are the signals the Lord gives to us of what he wants us to do? They're all around us if we will be attentive and not so caught up in ourselves we do not see his will for us let's be attentive to these words of our lord here i am lord i come to do your will on the first day of unleavened bread when they sacrificed the passover lamb his disciples said to him where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the passover and he sent two of his disciples and said to them go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you follow him and wherever he enters, say to the household, and the teacher says, Where is my guest room, where I am to eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. There, prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. How does this affect my life? My head, my heart, my hands. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were at table eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me one who is eating with me. And he said, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. In ancient times and even today, when you break bread with someone, you don't expect to be stabbed in the back by them, betrayed by them. The traitor is right there, how close he was. The Lord chose the 12 apostles he spent a night in prayer, praying before he chose them by name. He called them out of his many disciples. And yet, one of them, even so highly favored to be called to be an apostle, a foundation of the whole church, was caught aside by his own, we don't know what, greed, jealousy, we don't know what. We see just before this passage when Judas was bribed by the authorities. For 30 pieces of silver, he betrayed the Lord. One of you, one of the 12. Think how we have been favored in baptism, confirmation, in the sacraments we have received, so richly blessed. We must be loyal to our Lord. We are with him at table in the most sublime way. Every time we are called together here for the holy sacrifice of the Mass. And out there where we live, we must not betray him, but must be faithful to him. Let our lives out there be faithful to the Lord whom we meet here. It is our blessed Lord himself. And one of was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were sitting at table eating, Jesus said, truly, I say to you, One of you, one of you will betray me. One who is eating with me. You can almost imagine him saying, one of you, one of you who is eating with me. Not Herod or someone like that. One of you will betray me. You can almost see his tears begin to to fall at that. One he had trusted so much. So we pray the Lord to help us to be faithful to him. And they began to be sorrowful and to say to him one after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes, it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. To betray the Lord. And at the end of this we'll see Peter. The leader of the apostles. Deny the Lord. He says I won't do it. But is it I? And you know we could have two great saints. Saint Judas. And Saint Peter. One betrayed him. One denied him. And if only Judas had had listened to this little warning. The Lord is saying Judas. You know. I don't think this is quite an ancient in one of the ancient manuscripts, but in a modern idiom, our Lord is saying to Judas, hello, (laughs) are you going to, please, Judas, don't do it. He's saying it. How often does the Lord alert us when we're drifting away? You know, he speaks to us in our hearts, please, one of you who dips his hand in the dish, one of you who, who comes who is so blessed, stay close to me. Don't betray me. And so he offers that little warning of hope to Judas. And you know, we never know. Later on, we'll hear of the death of Judas. And we all, people might assume, well, of course, he's not Saint Judas where no one's ever gone so far as to say he repented. But you know, there's a famous old saying upon which I hope we can all depend, twixt the stirrup and the ground, salvation may be found. And what it means is a guy's riding along on a horse, maybe a very wicked fellow, and he falls off, and before he hits the ground, he says, forgive me, Lord. That's enough. The Lord pulls him in. We canonize saints, but no one's ever, I don't know what you call, demonized Judas or something. We don't know. We don't know. But we do know the tragedy of it, though. Better that he had not been born if he betrays and does not repent so let's ask the lords especially as we're thinking of the lenten season a time for us all to say here i am lord i come to do your will speak lord your servant is listening and above all lord jesus christ son of god have mercy on me a sinner and when it was evening he came with the twelve and as they were at table eating jesus said truly i say to you One of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say to him one after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And all of us in our little ways, we betray our Lord day by day not maybe as spectacularly as Judas. And yet he reaches out to us and calls us to repent, to come once more. Come to me, you labor and burden. Come. And so let's just, especially as we're thinking of this Lenten time, which is rapidly upon us, say, Lord, forgive me my sins. Always we fall a thousand times, and a thousand or one times he lifts us up. And as we're just about to hear of the Eucharist, the next verses, let's think of the great saving grace of the Sacrament of Confession, where we can come with all of our little betrayals that cheapen our lives and make us so empty. We can come and receive the love of our Lord who always wants to lift us up and help us to become saints. Let's ask the Lord's forgiveness and thank him for his mercy in our lives. And as they were eating, he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them and said, take, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. And He said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I shall not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. I often wonder, was Judas there then? We don't know in the Gospel of Mark. He doesn't, they, he doesn't say when Judas left. The Gospel of John does. He says, Judas left, and then he says, and it was night. It's not a weather report, it was night, nighttime. But it's interesting the thought that Judas himself may have been given the great gift of that first Holy Eucharist. And the hopes may be that it would turn him around. We don't know. It doesn't say in the Gospel of Mark. But the Lord who was about to experience through the betrayal of the one he loved and had given so much, he was about to experience his suffering, death, and then the glory of the resurrection. He made it possible for us to be with him every step of the way. We celebrate the Holy Eucharist looking backwards towards the suffering, death, and resurrection of the Lord. We experience our risen Savior with wounded hands through the Holy Eucharist. But they had that forward-looking, the only you might say forward-looking Eucharist in history. They're joined into what he was about to do as we're joined into it ourselves. It is so profound. This is my body. It's not very unclear, although uh, it has been a source of much dispute. But it's pretty clear. Take, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he gave thanks, gave it to them and they drank of it. He said to them, this is my blood of the covenant. The covenant in the Old Testament. Again and again, the people turned away from the Lord. And again and again, he made his covenant with them. You will be my people and I will be your God. I'm with you all the way. And they always broke it and went away. But now that love he shows binds them to him. Their sins are so painful as indeed in Judas we see in the extreme. This is the blood of the covenant. Just as the the blood of the covenant was used in the great Sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. Blood is a sign of life. New life. In the Old Testament, the foreshadowing of our own experience of forgiveness through baptism and through the sacrament of reconciliation, their foreshadowing it was when the high priest would take the blood and sprinkle it upon the Holy of Holies. Life between God's people and God. Restored. A new covenant. Alive. No longer broken. This is the blood of the covenant. And of course, it is above all in the sacrificial love of Jesus, where we see in his suffering and death, where he's not taking the evil and simply throwing it back. He takes the evil and transforms it. He says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. It is that love which binds them together and brings us the new covenant. And that's what we enter into in the Holy Eucharist. Truly I say to you, I shall not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Our Lord took two little parts of the old Passover meal and transformed them into his way of being with us and binding us together with him, not only through his suffering, death and resurrection as he did for them at that time, but he joins us to him throughout our lives. It's there for us to be communion, not only with one another, but above all, with the Lord. It is that covenant of love. So let's just spend a moment now and say thank you, Lord, for having given us the Holy Eucharist, to be with us, yourself, personally, so that we can receive you and be with you And in all the different ways we take up our own cross and follow you. That we know you are with us every step of the way. And when we make the stations of the cross, especially in Lenten time, but throughout the year, we know we make the stations of the cross out there in our daily lives as well. Take up your cross and come follow me. And yet Christ is with us every step of the way. The Lord we receive in Holy Communion. Let's just ask the Lord to help us appreciate that. And thank the Lord for his presence to us in the Holy Eucharist. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, you will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not, and Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, this very night, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said vehemently, if I must die with you, I will not deny you, and they all said the same. Oh my. You know when we read the Holy Gospel we make the sign of the cross on our forehead that we may know it, on our lips that we may speak it, on our hearts that we may live it. There's a huge distance between the lips and the heart. A huge distance. May all be joined together to know, to speak it, but to live it. That's like we think of the the wonderful prayer said to deacons when they're ordained, when the gospel book is given to them. Receive the gospel of Christ, whose herald you now are. Believe what you read, teach what you believe, and practice what you teach. And here we see Peter, who is so, so much unrock-like, more jello than rock. And yet he's kind of, he's so lovable. He's, I think the most attractive in many ways of the apostles. I don't know whether I, the beloved disciple is kind of spectacular, but I don't think the Lord risked entrusting the church to the beloved disciple. He doesn't seem to have ever made a mistake that we know of. The beloved disciple was just sort of perfect. You know those obnoxious people who are perfect. <laughs> so I don't think the Lord said, mm, you're my, my, my best friend maybe, and i okay, but I'm not going to give the church to you because you wouldn't know what it is like to mess up. And yet, Peter, he's just such a perfect saint for each of us. In a sense, he can be our patron saint for all of us. In our, you know, he's he's so enthusiastic. He really loves Jesus. He's jumping out of the boat and running to Jesus. And then he said, "Oh my gosh!" When he starts sinking down. Ah, you know, <laughs> you know, he just always messes up. And and there he says, "Oh, I you know. I remember at the you know the Last Supper. Oh no, you don't wash my feet. I will do." You know. He just sometimes you wonder what our Lord was, when he looked at Peter, he said, oh, Peter, when are you going to learn? You know, isn't that true of all of us? We all try to love our Lord, but so often we just make a mess of it and we, we stumble and fall so many times. And here he said out of his own heart, and he's totally sincere, I will never, never deny you but it just takes a little puff and away he goes. You know, fear, later on we'll see in the court charge, you know, and what will will I look like? And fear of being associated with Jesus. Fear, popular opinion. What will they think? And so he denies him three times. It doesn't take much. So we should look to Peter and learn from him. Three times he denied him. And then he went through the qualification test for being the vicar of Christ on earth. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? <laughs> That's really the heart of it all. Three times he was asked, do you love me? Three times he had denied him. And finally, you know the great story. It's not, it's just a legend. But it's probably true. In, if it's the old... What's the thing of the old Italian saying? Se non è vero e ben trovato. If it's not true, it's (laughs) well-founded. That the old story, that Peter, at the end of his life, when he finally got to Rome, and there's a persecution coming, so typical Peter starts running away, and as he's running out the Via Appia, he sees Jesus heading in. And, you know, he says, Quo vadis, Domine? Where are you going, Lord? He said, I'm going to be crucified again. So he turned around. And then the probably truthful legend is the truth is, he was crucified upside down because he was not worthy to be crucified in the way of our Lord, right at the Vatican Hill, right there. And then they took his body and buried it, and above that rose the great church of St. Peter. He became the rock, but he wasn't the rock to start. <laughs> He was so unstable. And he didn't do it on his own. Which is probably why Jesus entrusted the church to him. Because he wanted to have someone who knew what it was like to fail. And know that he's not doing it on his own. That's our problem so often. Even in doing good things in the church. We want to make sure it goes right. And I think we need to have the humility of the stumbling Peter. We know we have the love for the Lord. We try to be faithful. But to be able to fail so many times that we know it is Jesus who lifts us out of the stormy waters. It is Jesus who forgives us. It is Jesus who gives us the strength. Because on our own, we know we're just going to deny him. So we need to ask the strength of our Lord and not become narcissists. I think that's the, one of the, I'm kind of on a narcissist ego, anti-ego kick right now for various reasons. You know, this kind of, I. there's old Peter. No, no, you got to depend on the Lord. I think all of us do. We probably be fewer fights in the church that way too. You know, you get a lot of, you always have people like that. If you ever want to read a religious blog, all kinds of religious blogs all over the place. Then look in the comment section. You have all kinds of Catholics fighting one another. I know the way. No, you don't know that. You know, you say, wake up, smarten up, everyone. Read this passage. Think of Peter. <laughs> so let's, let's just think about Peter. And think of the times we've been like him, saying, oh, no, I won't deny you, Lord. Think of our own frailty and the gentle words of the Lord and ask the Lord to help us be more like Peter the rock than like Peter the jello. As they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, you will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. I Will not? Hmm. And Jesus said to him, Truly, I say to you this very night, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said the Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. So let's pray the Lord for some humility and ask God's forgiveness for the times we've been pig-headed like Peter. And they went to a place which was called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible to thee. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And they went to a place which is called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He is the Lord God amongst us. And yet the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And in his humanity, God made man. The second person of the Trinity, he communes with his Heavenly Father. Remember earlier on, the very first part of the Gospel of Mark, he went away by himself early in the morning to pray? And sometimes, in some parts, he says he was praying alone alone in the midst of his disciples. And before he chose the apostles, he went and prayed. He was on the mountain praying, one on one with the Heavenly Father. And he gives in this an example to us all. And now he's preparing for his suffering, death, and resurrection. And so he is praying. He's giving us a message that we on this earth who are to take up his cross and follow in his footsteps and live in the imitation of Christ, should live in the imitation of Christ in his life of prayer with the heavenly father. He even taught us how to pray, say our father who art in heaven. He spends time with the Lord, the Heavenly Father. God shows us how to pray to God when the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And so we should think of that. Our life must pivot around our life of prayer. Later on he says, would you not spend one hour with me? And this is a passage which The great Bishop Sheen, who recommended that uh, priests who have an opportunity living near a church, but as many as can do it, really, if they have a chance, and many, many do, spend one hour every day in adoration before the Lord and the Blessed Sacrament. Who had asked, why one hour? He said, well, that's the only thing Jesus ever asked of his disciples. Could you not spend one hour with me? It's the still point of the turning world. The faster the wheel is spinning, the more the hub has to be secure. And the hub is prayer. The closer we come to the center, the closer we come to one another, the closer we come to God. And the more we will know how to deal with the various crosses of our own life, different as they may be. And it's in that that we find our hope, our life, and our light. And Jesus gives us the message, shows us the way. And they went to a place which is called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death, remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible to thee. Remove this cup from me, and yet not what I will, but what, what, not what I will, but what thou wilt. This is so different from I will never deny you, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And our Lord himself feels this. He did not cling to his equality with God, but emptied himself, taking our own human life, even to death, death on the cross. So that, you know, when we come before him at the end of our own lives, whatever it may be, we can never say to him who judges us, you don't know what it's like. But he does. He knows us. He sees us as he sees Peter. He sees us with compassion. And he knows, he's felt, he's experienced as a human. The word became flesh in his human nature. The second person of us, the Trinity, taking that upon him, knows what it is like to feel anxiety, fear, even to the point of my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So close is God to us. He knows what it is like. That is so profoundly important. The Lord does not live in icy splendor, in invulnerability, in some distant palace. He did not cling to his equality with God. And we shouldn't cling either. We should say, here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Well, wouldn't we all? He could see what was coming. And he said, Abba. I remember once hearing a little child, a little Jewish child say, Abba, Abba. Daddy, you know, Dad. Abba, Father. All things are possible to thee. Remove this cup from me. That's what he's feeling. Heavenly Father, oh no. He sees it coming. But instantly he says... But, not what I will, but what thou wilt. He will go through this, sacrificing, showing us the way, showing us love in the midst of hatred, showing us how to be, drawing us to be what we're meant to be. He will not let his ego take over, but he surrenders to the mission of showing us compassion in the midst of suffering, in the midst of evil not what I will, but thy will be done. He told us ahead of time, after all, remember he said, when you pray, say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, our Father who art in heaven. And you know, so often, just as we say, you know, listen, Lord, your servant is speaking, we say, my kingdom come, my will be done. The more we do that, the more we fight one another, and the more we are caught up in all kinds of conflict And all kinds of things that are just not worth it. So inspiring seeing the holy martyrs of our modern age. I've been meeting a lot of the people lately from the Middle East. The holiness of these people, having seen their homes destroyed, their families massacred, the evil. And yet, I remember I went to a commemoration of of the martyrs, the 21, you know, those young Coptic men who were murdered on the beach? And each one saying, because the murderers forgot to turn off the microphones, Jesus is Lord, as they died. And one of them actually was not a Christian, except in death. He saw so much the blood of martyrs that he became one himself, the one in the middle from Africa. And he became a saint. And so we see that. That is sublime. Sublime. The God of majesty and power comes amongst us. That's what God is really like. Not to force us and command us and crush us, demand obedience like that, but to come amongst us, share with us our suffering. That's what compassion is to suffer with. We see it right here. So profound. So countercultural. Oh, I tell you, we're in a world where people want to have their hands on the steering wheel. They want to know, well, they want to control when people are born and when people die. I am in command. There is no future in that. It is fundamentally. How can it be profoundly shallow? How can something be, well, it's profoundly shallow. That desire. And the Lord showed us the way. The ego, the sense of control. There are things we do not control. And the Lord, who had the power of calling the armies of angels, did not do it. But it was suffering with sharing that deeper wisdom. And he came and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He knows Peter. He loves him. Poor Peter's going to mess up a few more times before he's home. But he loves him. And, you know, he has a heart of gold. He just needs to be helped a lot. But he's the guy who stumbles a lot that was entrusted with the church. It's is kind of a consolation for people who are entrusted with the church in different ways, given authority in the church. <laughs> you know. You sure don't get it because you've got competence or something, you know. we're, we're the people, I remember the higher in the hierarchy I've gone, the more I realize that humanly speaking, the whole thing's held together with scotch tape and string. You know. We're all pretty frail, you know. But then again, I guess uh, everybody is, aren't we? So let's all acknowledge we're all like Peter. We're all pretty frail. We're all in the hands of the Lord. So the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. Come on, Peter. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. We know what it's like. You know, they were pretty weak. And they did not know what to answer him. And he came a third time said, are you still sleeping, taking your rest? It is enough. Come on, the hour has come. I don't know, it doesn't say he snapped his fingers at that point, but come on, wake up. Wake up. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. My betrayer is at hand. At that moment, Judas arrives. But that's next month. <laughs> we pray that. So here it is. Our Lord has compassion on all of us. He knows what it's like. He understands so often we're like Peter. Yet he entrusted the church, entrusted his life to very frail people because so that they might know that it's not their own strength that does it, but it's the Lord. If only they will we'll purify, burn away our egos and surrender into the hands of our blessed Lord. So let's just reflect And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed to the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him and wherever he enters, say to the householder, The teacher says, Where is my guest room where I am to eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. There, prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were at table eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and said to him one after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes and is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I shall not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you, this very night, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said vehemently, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. And they went to a place which was called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. yet not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he came and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping